Okay, we're learning that Tzadi Aleph. We're starting from the bottom. Tzadi on base, six lines up. Hani Tanoi Ki Hani Tanoi. Remember the issue that we're learning? Achas Bechayav, Achas Achim Misa. What is the case? What is going on here? So we have, remember, Takana from Ksubas Benin Dichrin. Ksubas Benin Dichrin means that in order to make sure that fathers were giving um, very generous dowries away, they would be concerned that if their son, that if the their wife would die, wouldn't be collected, and his son-in-law would die, would go to all of his kids, even some of the kids who weren't his grandkids. So they made a takana, that basically the ksuba, the mother, when she dies first, and her dowry, when the son, when the, then the husband dies, it's only inherited by her kids. It's not split evenly by the other stuff. The other assets that the father owned are split evenly. But what, the, the value of the ksuba and the dowry is only inherited by his, by his kids. So that's a takana, ksuba's been indifferent. But the shayla is, let's say you have children from a different mother, and their mother died, after, they're, after the, the, the father died. So they don't have this ksuba has been different. They don't have that. The other rabbi, their mother was just entitled to collect her ksuba and they collect on that debt. They're like creditors. And the question is, is that going to lead to fighting where some kids are creditors for their mother's ksuba and some kids are inheriting their mother's ksuba and dowry? Is that going to make uh, tension and everything going on? So we were trying to say that is a machloikes uh, tanav, and that's what we're trying to establish. Another issue that we're looking at is that the whole takana ksuba has been indifferent is only when there's other property. If the only thing, the only assets are equal to the amount of the ksuba and the dowry, but there's nothing extra, and then maybe the rabbanim weren't misakin that there should be ksuba has been indifferent. Maybe the rabbanim were only misakin it, but there's a surplus dinner. There's an extra dinner which, uh, which, which, which besides the ksuba has been indifferent that's inherited, it's also going to be that inheritance. And the question is, what if there there is other things, but they're all owed to certain creditors, like to a ksuba or to another bachov, in that case, is that considered as if there was a Mozart dinner and therefore we can establish and trigger ksuba's been a different. Those are pretty much the two issues that we're looking at. So the, so the, uh, so that now, now the Gemara tries to say it's machalik is tanah. Hani tanah, hani tanah, these opinions of the tanah, like these opinions and these tanah. The tanah says in a bris, so in Russell, Jishon of a mace, again, six lines up, sadim and base. It says in a bris, Somebody marries the first one and she dies. Also, Shniyav Amesu, he marries the second one and then he dies. So that's Mamash the case. One died, one died Mechaim, one died Lachamisa. Bon, These ones come, the second wife, the second wife's kids come after the death. They take the Ksuba of their mother. They, so, in other words, the Pashup shot is that the second wife was a creditor. So now their kids, so she didn't collect on the debt yet, so her kids could do it. But the, we didn't say anything about the sons of the first wife. It doesn't say about them inheriting. So it sounds like the first Hana holds that there's not going to be ksuba different. After the kids and the second wife take their mother's debt of the ksuba, everything else would be just distributed evenly. But as Rabbi Shimon Omer, no, Yesha Moser dinner, as long as there's an extra dinner, besides, besides the ksuba of the first one, then the first kids are also going to take a ksuba. They're going to inherit the whole ksuba of the mother. Only if there's not an extra dinner, then they all have to divide equally. Meaning after they pay off the ksuba debt to the, second, to the, to the kids of the second wife, then they all divide evenly. So it sounds like this, the second Tana, Rabbi Shimon is busy talking about the first kids also having ksuba's been indifferent. The first Tana wasn't talking about that at all. So what must be, that's the machlik. my love that when the two wives die, one during his life, one after the death, there is ksuba has been indifferent. That's Rabbi Shimon. That's why he mentioned that the first ones will inherit their mother's ksuba and dowry. Mar Savar, Tarakama, who only mentioned the kids of the second wife collecting on their mother's debt on the ksuba, they hold That's why there is no ksuba has been indifferent. There's only the collection of the debt of the ksuba, and then everything else will be divided evenly. So the Gemara replies that that's not muhaf, that's what they're arguing about. Lo, it's not, it's not compelling, that's the argument. It could be that every, normally everybody holds 
we're not concerned for fighting, and there is two has been indifferent, even where some kids, uh, their mother died after the husband's death. Top of them, and all of them, but dinner, they're arguing about. Everyone agrees you need a surplus dinner. There has to be some inheritance besides the Ksubas ben in order for the Ksubas ben to be in effect. But the question is, what if the, 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 what if the extra dinner, does it have to be left from Karka? In other words, could it be even fulfilled if there's some movable properties worth an extra dinner? Or does it, is it only true if it's worth, if it comes from real estate? It's only if there's an extra dinner of land. There, the, the stipulation of Suba goes into effect metallically, but if the only surplus is in movable items, lo, then it does not go into effect. So basically, we're saying the brides are talking about a case where the surplus dinner came from movable property, but there was no surplus dinner from Karka. Tanakama holds that from movable property, that's not enough to say there's a surplus dinner of inheritance because since it's only from movables, therefore there's no din of Takanos but indifferent. So according to the Tanakama, after the kids of the second one collect the debt of their mother's Ksuba, then everything is distributed evenly. No, the din of the extra dinner can be fulfilled even when the dinner comes from movable property. But that, what it comes out, it would come out that Reb Shimon holds surplus dinner can even be from movables, and the Tanakhama holds the surplus dinner halacha has to be only from land. For Gemara, we know it's the opposite. We're going to learn in the Mishnah actually today. Reb Shimon says, even if there's movable property that's worth more, unless there's real estate which is worth more, Unless there's an extra surplus dinner from the real estate, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't help. It, you don't say that there's two husband indifference. There's actually the opposite. Rip Shimon's the one that holds that the surplus dinner has to, has to come from real property. According to the interpretation we just gave, it was the opposite. Rip Shimon holds that it could even come from movable. So that wouldn't make any sense. We would end up with a contradiction of Rip Shimon. So the Gemara therefore tries to say a different explanation of the dispute. They're arguing about if there is a dinner, but it's not in liquid form. It's right now in pledged property. It's mashubid to something else, meaning there's no surplus in the current holdings of the state, but there's a debt to the father that eventually will be collected. So if someone owed money to your father, then they have to pay you back even after the father's death, right? You inherit the debt. So right now you don't have that extra money. You didn't pay you back yet. But it, but 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 it's coming to you. But you're just not holding it right now at this point. It's not you don't have it as accessible. So is that called the surplus dinner is around that there is an extra dinner and therefore and therefore the ksubasman and dichron will go in effect or not? It's only if it's from free accessible property that ksubasman and dichron goes in effect. But if it's from just property pledged to the father, stipulation does not go in effect. The stipulation is goes into effect even if the surplus dinner comes from pledged properties, even though it's not accessible right now at the time when they want to take the Ksuasman and Dech. But the Gemara asks, the language is off. If we're talking about a case where the estate had a dinner that was owed to the father, that's the point. Instead of Reb Shimon saying if there is a surplus dinner, he should emphasize, he should have said since there is a surplus dinner, meaning he's being more lenient. He's saying, you didn't think there was a surplus dinner, but there really is because since it's owed to the father, they, are, they really have more coming to them. So his language should have been since. It should have said, dinner. the language of him implies actually as if, no, 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 there's not, and as if, it's, if, it, as if we don't see the Moser dinner in front of us. The point, the root of the issue is whether or not there is a Moser dinner. Shem is being lenient, and he's considering it like there is a Moser dinner, so his language should have reflected that. So the Gemara says another shot. Maybe they're arguing about if there was extra amount besides the Ksuvah and Dechim, but not worth a dinner. Let's say it's worth half a dinner. So we always say it has to be worth a dinner. Maybe that's good for the Machlekes. Only if there's a dinner extra, a significant amount of money extra, besides the Ksuvah and Dechim that will be inherited, then Ksuvah and Dechim goes in effect. But if it's less than a dinner, stipulation doesn't go in effect. Marsha, if you love dinner, 
the stipulation is in effect even where even if it's less than a dinner of extra stuff. That might be what the dispute is. So Rab Shimon didn't say that. Harab Shimon dinner ka'avar. He mentioned dinner. Rab Shimon said, if there is a dinner, then Subhanahu is in effect. So now the Gemara says, maybe what we really got to do is keep what we're saying that they're arguing if you need a dinner or less than a dinner. I Rab Shimon says you need a dinner. We're gonna flip. We're going to flip the Tanakhama and Reb Shimon. We're going to say that actually, we're, it's, it's very interesting, this is like, is it a changing gear? So just a change in understanding, but we're actually going to flip what the Tanakhama said. The Tanakhama was saying the first set of Yarshim do inherit the, the Ksuvas Menendirchen in most cases. And Reb Shimon saying, no, only if there's a surplus dinner. Mamish flip it. The other way, the Tanakhama is saying Ksuvas Menendirchen is in effect easier. Even if it doesn't seem to be a Moser dinner, and because the Tarakama holds, even if there's less than a dinner, even if there's just a half a dinner surplus, that's enough. Rabbi Shimon says, no, only if there's going to be a real dinner do we say it goes in effect. Less than a dinner, not. But Zakta Gemara can't say that either, because Tanakama is not a dinner. The Tanakama of our Mishnah said that you need a dinner. So according to what we're saying here, this Tana, this tana the Chacham hold, that you don't need a dinner. It's only Reb Shimon who needs a dinner. So how can we always find in the Mishnahis that the Mishnahis or the Tanakama or the Chacham's opinion are saying dinner? So we get totally stuck. But again, we wanted originally to say the machlokas was achas b'chayev, achas lachar misa, whether or not you say k'suvas v'nindichon, if it might lead to fighting. The Gemara wanted to say, that's what everybody agrees, you do get k'suvas v'nindichon. We threw out all sorts of possibilities. They're arguing if the, if the surplus dinner to activate k'suvas v'nindichon has to be from karkov, if, if it could, have, it has to be from free uh, accessible assets, or it could even be from owed assets, if it has to be exactly a dinner, if it could even be from less. So eventually the Gemara says, we have to say that the right says like either the first original two, two interpretations, meaning either the machlokas is whether or not it can come from, the most of dinner can come from movables or if it's from property pledged. I, we had a steer in Reb Shimon we flip around the opinions. The Tanakhama holds the first set of Yarshim collect the Ksuvas Menendechren, even if it's removable as a property owed. And Reb Shimon says, no, I hold there has to be a Moser of dinner that is actually liquid here, present that they're inheriting. And only then do they actually take it. So the Gemara has flipped the Tanakhama and Reb Shimon and reverted back to our original interpretations. Originally we got stuck because we ended up in a steam and Reb Shimon. But now we come out, everything is in that way. So now the Gemara tries to see how do we actually pass. What is the law? Again, two wives, one died during his lifetime, one died after his death. We say that the Yarshim, the children of the first wife, they do have the rights to the Ksuba stipulation of the special male children, Halacha, that they inherit without sharing their mother's ksuba and dowry. And we're not scared it's going to lead to fighting. That's the point. Even though the other set of children, their mother died after the father's death. So they're not inheriting the ksuba, the, the, the ksuba and her dowry. They're just going to collect debt as creditors. We're not scared it's going to lead to fighting. We still let the first kids inherit all of their mother's ksuba and dowry. Another halacha, ksuba, not says most of the The other issue that ksuba's menedichon applies only... Only when there was a surplus of dinner being inherited besides for the amount of the ksubas minidechen. So that can come even if that inheritance then has to be paid off for another ksuba. Like in our case, let's say there was only enough money that the, 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 the original kids would take their, of the first wife's kids would take their ksubas minidechen, and then the rest, whatever, whatever, whatever else would come to be inherited would have to be paid off to the second kids because of the debt that their mother had of the ksuba because she died after the father died. We would still say that's most our dinner. Happens to be you inherited and you had to pay it, but you inherited more than just ksuba's been in there. So the Gemara says, why do you have to speak out both rulings? If you just told me the first one, that there is a concept of different, even though there are other kids who are not getting it, I could understand. And you didn't tell me the second point, that the Ksuba is considered the Moser, 
then I could say, I would say, yes, because it's different as an effect, even if all kids don't get it, but only if there's actual Moser. But if there's something which you're just going to inherit and then pay off a creditor, maybe that's not considered you inherited more. So I understand why you have to say two and one didn't suffice. But why don't we just say the second half of the statement? Let Marzutra say a ksuba can be that surplus for the other ksuba. Say that, just say the second statement, and then that clearly implies that there is ksuba different, even though only certain kids are getting it. Because that's, that's the whole question. Since there is ksuba different in the case where the first heirs are getting it and the second heirs are not, then I want to know do the first heirs get it if there's not more property in the only that they're inheriting besides the, besides the amount that they're paying off to the second heir. So clearly if you say that the amount that they pay after the second heirs does count as a Mozart dinner, clearly then the basic rudimentary ideas is implied that there is Ksuba's been indifferent despite the fact that not all the kids are getting it, despite the fact that only the heirs of the first wife are getting it. So the Gemara explains why it wouldn't be sufficient to do that. Because remember, what's the whole variable before we see this far? The whole variable is, is it going to lead to fighting, right? If some kids have suicide been different and some kids don't, will that lead to fighting? So maybe it's only kids, let's say there are three wives. Two of them died during his lifetime and one died after his death. And the one that died after his death, he led in the cave. He only gave birth to, she only gave birth to a female. She anyways wouldn't be eligible to inherit. Right, females never inherit when there are boys. So in in the, in that case, I would say it makes sense that the the there should be tsubas been indifferent to the children of the first two wives because they're both inheriting, so they're not going to fight between each other because they're both getting tsubas and indifferent. And the girl is not going to fight with them even though she's not getting it because she doesn't feel the right to fight. What is she fighting over? If there wouldn't be tsubas been indifferent anyway, she wouldn't inherit anything. She doesn't stand to inherit. She's a girl, and there are boys. So there, it's just a question of the first two kids getting it. And then I just want to know, if they're not actually inheriting more than the ksuba has been indifferent, because after they inherit a little bit more, they have to pay off the ksuba of the, to, 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 to the daughter. They have to pay off the ksuba because she inherits her mother's debt. So, so I would say that the, only over there, it was relevant that the ksuba is not If there's only two wives, one died during his lifetime, one after his death. And the one that, gave, the one that died after the, husband's day, after the husband died. The, that woman had a boy, so I could say it might lead to fighting. I have to be concerned for fighting. If I give the first heirs, if I give the, the kids of the first wife all the ksuba, their mother, dowry of the mother, it's going to be a, a whole fighting because the other kids are going to say it's not fair. All we're doing is collecting the debt of our mother. You're inheriting all your mother's ksuba and dowry. It doesn't seem fair. Kamash Malan, tells us we're not concerned for the fighting. And we say ksuba has been indifferent is given to the first heirs despite the fact that the second heirs are not getting ksuba has been indifferent in this case. All right, I know that was one of the toughest concepts just because it's like mixing in what's been indirect and assuming we remembered so much back from then and introducing new variables. Okay, fresh mission here. I mean, it's, we're still talking about what's been indirect, but we got a fresh chance here. All right. Here in our mission today, a guy's married to two wives. They both die first. And then only afterwards he dies. So basically, you have both Yarshim who want the what's been indirect here. Right? If two wives, they both died they both died during, uh, during his lifetime. And then he dies. So now what happens? The orphans are the wives. Who, who, and, and, and evidently the ksubas are worth different amounts, right? That's going to be the key here. So the orphans are the wife. And ksuba was bigger. She wants, they want the ksuba of their mother. They, uh, they want that each set of orphans should take the ksuba of their mothers. And then everyone should divide the rest of the state evenly. And that means they're going to walk away with more, right? Because their mother's ksuba was large. But there's only enough there in the estate to pay for the two ksubas. 
So in other words, if the, it, it, all the state has is, 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 is not enough to pay for the two ksubas, but there's not more to divide evenly, then what's the halacha going to be? Cholkim b'shavah, they're going to divide oh, the whole estate evenly instead of giving each set the mother's ksuba. Why is that? Because that's the big idea. The whole halacha of ksubas min indekron is in effect only if there's going to be some inheritance besides the ksubas, which will be distributed evenly. Then the Rabbanon said, okay, so the extra is divided evenly, but what the value of each one's mother's ksuba, they take only, only, only her children. That's the takana. But if there's not, if there's not extra, if there's not that surplus, it's just going to be the value of what the ksubas were. So then we say everything is just divided evenly. However, I shall dinner. If there's an extra dinner, there iman. These sons take the ksuba of their mother. iman. These sons take the ksuba of their mother. And then the remaining dinner is what's divided equally. Im amar Let's say the orphans. Okay, the ones who had their mother had the bigger ksuba. So they're 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 trying to make things happen here. So their mother had the bigger ksuba. They say dinner. You know what we'll do? We'll inflate the value of our father's property by the worth of the dinner. Kadeshi looks iman. Meaning, let's just give an example. Let's say there's seven hundred. That's the whole estate. Seven hundred. One ksuba was five hundred, and the other one was uh, was seven hundred. But but I'm sorry. One was five hundred. The other one was two hundred. So there's only enough of the value. So as it stands, the, the orphans of the mother, one of the one with the ksuba of 500, they want 500, then they want the other yashmans to only get 200, but as it stands, they're not going to be able to do that because there's not any extra to be divided evenly. So they come up with a brilliant plan. They're going to inflate, over-appraise the certain piece of real estate and say, instead of saying it's, you know, five, a piece of land was worth 500, we'll say it's worth 501, and they'll add, and, the, and therefore, what does that mean? That the father's property is really seven, worth 701. They're just like arbitrarily overinflating a piece of real estate and saying it's worth 501, making that the father's total amount of assets is 701. Their mother's two was worth 500. Their other kids was 200. Great. They'll take 500. They'll take 200. And they're remaining one. They'll divide. So could they do that? Could they overinflate a property to basically trigger that there is a most dinner, even though it doesn't seem that there is? So we say... Um, we don't listen to them. We take it to court. You know, you have to get an honest appraisal. If it's 500 and 200, 500 and 200. You can't overinflate it and say it's 501 so that it seems like there's a Moser dinner at the end. Let's say there, there's Roi Nechazim. So what is Roi Nechazim? Meaning things that, that, that you don't have now but that are coming to you. So what's the classic example? Let's say the father, their grandfather is still alive. So he has a lot, he has a big estate. But these grandkids stand to inherit him after he dies because their father passed away. So they're going to get more through their father after his death. So as it stands right now, there's not a Moser dinner, right? There's not a Moser dinner. It's only the two ksubas enough and therefore they would have to divide evenly. But Beroy, in a prospective asset, from the, if they would get more from their grandfather eventually after he dies, there would be. So the Mishnah is an inikum Moser. It's not treated like it's already in their possession. And therefore we say there's no Moser dinner. It has to be from what they have now. Shimon adds, and we saw the Mishnah quote that said, even if it's movable property that's in the estate, it's not counted as part of it. That's only worse if there's real estate, real property in the estate, more than two ksubas by a dinner. That's the point. It's got to be real estate, according to Shimon. Movable properties don't count as the Moser dinner. All right, here we go. We elaborate on our Mishnah. Let's say one wife at a ksuba. I'm sorry for giving my example here. The bride is going to give different numbers. Don't get confused. It's pretty simple numbers. One wife at a ksuba of 1,000 dinner. The other one at a ksuba of 500 dinner. Give me a Moser dinner if there's 1,501 value in this state. So then very good. The heirs of the mother with the 1,000 take 1,000. The heirs of the mother with the 500 take 500. And then they divide the, uh, the extra one. 
if there's only 1,500, you don't have an extra dinner, then each side takes 750. Zalak to Kamar. It's obvious that let's say there was a lot of assets, meaning let's say there was 1,501, which is going to keep the numbers here. One at 1,500, one at 500. So at the time of death, there was 1,501 value in the father's estate. Okay, great. It seems like there's going to be Ksubas but different applying. One's going to take 1,500, one's going to take 1,000, one's going to take 500, and the remaining one they'll divide. But then when they go to take it, the value of the property decreased by one. It was, that went down that day, right? It was, it was something happened, it went down, and on the day they go to collect it, it's only worth exactly 1,500. So now, do we say that it should be divided 750, 750, 750? We say no. The heirs of the larger Ksuba already acquired it. It all depends what it was at the time of death. Since at the time of the death, the amount of the, of the estate was, was 1,501, so there was a surplus dinner. Even if it decreased by the time they go to collect it, it doesn't matter. They already had the right to the larger Ksuba because there was a most of dinner at the time of the death. Remember, Chazal made it like Yerusha. That's the idea. They, they legislated it like it's being inherited. Let's say the opposite. At the time of death, it was only worth 1500 So it looked like you have to divide 750 750 But when they go to collect it, oh, it appreciated in value. Now it's worth 1501 So now the origin of the larger super say, okay, so give us 1000 Why? What's the halacha? So do we say it goes after the time of collection now when they could collect 1000 Or we say, no, it all depends on the time of death and it's only 750 so the Gemara says, Tashmat, this is the once happened, that was Mamash, the estate of Bartzar. It was a case of, 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 of uh, assets that were not, didn't have a most of dinner, and then they increased in value. Rasul came to Ramah, came to Ramah, Malu, he said, Zilopaisinu, go settle with them. Meaning he told them, go, he told the kids for the smaller Ksuba, go settle, try to settle with the, with the sons of the wife of the larger Ksuba. Meaning you really owe them the money. That was the point. Really, you go after the time now collection, and since there is a most of dinner, then they have, they have the right to the, the larger amount. They didn't listen. So if you don't go settle them, he said, I'm going to strike you with a thorn that doesn't draw blood, meaning I'm going to put you in for not listening. So said, no. Just as in the case in the inverse, where it was more at the time of the death and then it decreased afterwards. Top of the base. We go after the time of the death. We said, we go after the time of the death. So too in the inverse. The heirs of the all smaller estate already acquired it, meaning you go after the time of the death. And since now it went up, it doesn't make a difference. The, the one with the larger Ksuba can't say, okay, look, there's a Moser Ksuba. Now there's a Moser Ksuba. I want my mother's thing. You always go after the time of the death. So it was, if it was smaller and then it got bigger, it would be equally divided between all of the Arshim. Okay, so now it's very gishmak. Lumda charade for the next two dafim. It's going to be story after story, memra after memra, lumda stuff. You know, we all indirectly related. Something like proof from our mission. So let's see. First, we have to get into the story. So who got the mask? Alpha Zuzi, there was a person who owed a thousand zoots. Remember, when you owe somebody money, right? So what can be collected? All your stuff, real estate. So even though you might have a house that you really like, but if you don't pay it back, right? It might, it might be collection, foreclosure. That's the way it works. So there's a person who owns a, who owed a thousand zoots and he had two mansions. He sold them, one for 500 zoots, another for 500 zoots. Meaning that was the market value. That was the sale, 500 zoots, and he sold them to the same person, okay? So you have a debtor, he's a lien on all his property, and while the debt is there, he makes a sale, two different sales of both of his mansions, each worth 500 zoots. So the creditor came. He didn't have any money, the debtor. So who did the, who did the creditor go to? He went to the buyer. 
He went to the buyer to foreclose on the houses because he had a lien, a pre-existing lien on those houses. So he goes and he takes one of them as uh, as partial partial payment, right? The debtor didn't have anything, so the court gave him permission to go to the buyer and take take a house. So what happened? Um, so he took one. So how the Qatar Lidah, he then wanted to take the other one too, right? Because he, he was owed a thousand. Each mansion was only worth five hundred dollars, so he's trying to collect on both. So the buyer was desperate to keep his mansion. Sometimes you can have that. You, you, you're willing to part with a lot of cash to keep your house, right? That can sometimes happen. So as it stands, the buyer now is about to lose the house. So Shaka Alpha Zuze, he took out a thousand Zuz. He goes to the creditor. Amalei said to the creditor, if you accept that the first mansion that you already took away from me has the value of a thousand Zuz, fine, walk away with that first mansion. I'll let you have it, but accept that its true value is a thousand Zuz and that you've collected all your debt. If you accept that, fine. Below, if you don't accept that point, then take, I'm forcing you to take the 1,000 in cash and return both mansions to me. So if you think about it, what's his claim? You have to think about what his claim here is. It seems that his claim basically is rooted in the idea that if I'm a buyer and I bought your lien, that's true, I bought your lien and you have a tie on me, you have a right to take it away. But can't I give you cash instead? It's a fascinating question. I bought your lien. Now, when you come to collect, can you just say, give me my lien and I'm out? Or can you say, no, I understand. I, there's money owed here, but let me give you cash instead and I want to keep it. That's really the fundamental question here. So he's coming after one mansion was collected. He basically is like trying to twist his arm into t- accepting the cash. He says, look, I'll give you a thousand cash right now and give him back the mansion. I'll give you a thousand cash. You owe a thousand, I'll give you a thousand. You want so desperately the mansion? I'm only going to do that if we overinflate that and say that that first mansion was worth a thousand and you let me keep the other mansion. So it's definitely twisting his arm, but the real root of the depth of the question is, is that does he have that right to come along with the cash and force that? If he doesn't have the right, if it's just liens are liens, and you know, get, who are you to start saying, you know, I'm going to give you cash, if that's right, then none of this makes sense. So the Gemara rules on this, the Gemara thinks, oh, sorry, Muhammad, 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 isn't that really like our Mishnah? Remember when there was Nechassim that was, was, it was Muwatim, but they wanted to overinflate the property and pretend that it was worth more in order to make that the, 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 there was a surplus dinner. What do we say? If, some of the, if the orphans of the, from the mother with the larger ksuba said, we're going to overinflate the value of our father's property worth of a dinner to make sure there's a Muslim dinner. We don't listen to them. We go by market value. So what are we trying to say? So to hear the buyer, we have to go by market value. Market value are that both mansions are worth 500. You can't artificially inflate the value of the first mansion to prevent the creditor from taking from take the second one that doesn't make sense because by offering to pay a thousand zoos for the mansion that's in effect what the buyer is doing the buyer is trying to establish a new inflated price the true market value is only 500 our mission is saying you can't do that i mean there's no such thing as as using a taino to make an, inv- an inflated price so he's trying to say you shouldn't be able you shouldn't be able to um, to do that. So the Kamar says, I'm like, Ravim, me dummy is a comparable hustle. It's absolutely awesome. There, the orphans of the mother had the smaller ksuba. They're going to get a loss. There, they're going to get a loss of money. That's the whole point. So your overinflation in the Mishnah causes me a loss. There's 1500 value. I want 750. If your time goes through, then I'm only going to get 250. So since it's going to be a loss, you can't artificially inflate. But how come he slips say the Lamaisa over here, the creditor has no loss. He's going to get $1,000. It, it, that, that's what the that's what the buyer is offering. He's offering a thousand cash. He's just twisting him to get that by saying, and if you don't, if you don't want the cash, then accept that the first mansion was worth a thousand. Alpha Yab Alpha Shukal, he gave a thousand, he gets back a thousand. So the Yisait of the Gemara is, the end of the day, the Iker Taina is that I can force you to take the cash. If that's the real Yisait that I can force you to take the cash, I'm just trying to force you into that. That's fine. I'm, you know, no loss of money. Mashengin in our mission, it was, it was, it was going to be a loss of money to the orphans of the smaller Ksuba, and that's why the artificial um, inflation of the price can't be used.
So now the Gemara wants to know if he did twist his arm and he, did, he didn't accept the cash. He didn't accept the cash. He took the first mansion and said it was worth a thousand. If so, tear for Bakama How much do we write in the collection document? Meaning, let's just specify for here for a second. What's going to happen right now? After the buyer gets, his, gets his, the mansion taken away, right? What's he going to do? He's going to run back to the seller, the debtor, and say, you sold me something which came along the bank and foreclosed on the house because you owed money. You owe me back now all the money that I paid you for that mansion. How much do we write that the mansion was worth? 500 or 1,000. What ended up happening is that he accepted the first mansion, did not accept the cash, but he said the first mansion is 1,000. So the creditor took it at a value of 1,000 when the fair market value would have been 500. How much now, it's a very lumbish question, can the buyer of that real estate go back in the mansion, go back to the debtor who sold him the land and say, you owe me back? So the Gemara says, Ravina, Alpha, because we go up to the market value. Meaning, the taco makes sense, right? He's hold, still holding the other mansion at 500. So, wouldn't, he, wouldn't he have bought it with a Hryos and isn't it, isn't it like stated what the value is? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how it exactly works with that Hryos. I guess the court has to assess the value. Meaning, even if you assess that Hryos, the court, if it went up or went down, you're saying, why don't we just see how much he paid for it? Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Or whatever the situation was. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. It seems like we're like looking at the court to decide what the value is now for him to go back and collect. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm assuming just very clearly, obviously this field was sold without Christ. The social love of Christ must make sense. It was sold without Christ. But I understand your question. I, 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 I guess so. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the Vardis, he doesn't have the money of the sale. And we're trying to say how much debt. I don't know. I'm not sure. You're saying, why don't we just see how much he paid him? Why, why do we want to know how much the house is worth? Not sure. It's a good question. Because what somebody paid versus what somebody's willing to lend are two different. No, but I'm saying, isn't a is if the field gets taken away from you or whatever the mansion, then I have to return the money of the sale. Shouldn't that be the Gemara seems to look at that It's like I have to, I, I I have to give you back what you had. Maybe that's the issue. Then maybe it's not. Maybe really that's the achrayis. Achrayis says I have to keep up the sale. I have to keep the sale. So we have to determine how much it's worth. Did you lose out on money if it went up in value? Who who lost the money? The person who. Right, but, but, so they should get the amount that they gave it away for. Right, and that's what we're saying. You know, even if it, he paid less than that amount, but you should pay for what it's worth now. And that's what the Gemara is saying. Do we go after the fake inflated value or the real value? And the mice of the Gemara is coming out the real value, not the a thousand. So the Gemara exactly the same story, just with different circumstances. A little very interesting. I don't know how the Gemara needs another story. Here we go. We can run through it. There's a person who owed thousands or hundreds of them. Two small fields. He sold them. One for 50 zos, one for 50 zos. Also, the creditor came and collected one field from the buyer. He then wanted to collect the other field because he was owed 100. The buyer took 100 zos and went in. He said, If the first field, we can artificially say was worth 100 zos to you and that's all you collect, good. If you loan, if you don't, take my 100 zos in cash and, and get off of both fields. He's artificially inflating the price. That's the mission that says that the some can artificially increase the price. I'm going to buy in the mission, you can't do that because the orphans of the smaller group will lose out. Here, they're not losing out. He lent 100 zos and he's getting back 100 zos. So meaning the Iker Taina is that he's getting back the cash. Now, he eventually collected only one piece of land saying it was worth a thousand, worth a hundred. So therefore, become a Masvinon. If now the creditor is keeping that, how much do we write for the collection document? Exactly the same thing, just different uh, circumstances. All right, here we go. 
There was a person who owed 100 zuz. So he owed somebody else 100 zuz, and then he dies. Remember, what's the halacha? What do Yisomim have to do? Do Yisomim have to pay back the, their father's debts? What's the answer? From real property that they inherit, it has to be paid back. The lien's on it. But from movable properties, they do not. That's the basic halacha. So this guy passed away the debtor. He left a small field worth 50 zuz. The creditor comes and attempts to collect from it. It was a field. He's entitled. So the orphans went and they gave him 50 zuz. They paid him cash to push him away from the field. In other words, they, they, it wasn't a question. They, they desperately liked that field. It was a gushmaka field for them. They wanted to retain it. So it was worth 50. So they went and got cash. And they gave 50 to make sure the creditor wouldn't take it. So how the Qatar flew? He took the money and he came back and he said, okay, and now I'm collecting your field. Right? He was owed 100. The field was worth 50. He came to collect the field. The film said, no, no, don't take our field. They gave him 50 cash. He took the 50 cash because he's owed 50. And then he comes back and says, okay, I'm taking the field for the other 50. All you do is some don't have another 50 to, to, to push him away. So now the guy's right, right? Let him, let him, let him take it. But on the other hand, Maybe it's not fair because the only real estate here was what with this was this karka worth fifty. Okay, that was basically paid off in the cash of the fifty. They, he accepted instead of taking the real estate, he sold the cash. So which one is right? So the company buyer that came in front of buyer Amalu It's only an optional mitzvah for the someone to pay back the debt of the father. Meaning to say, what was the first cash? What is it? It's an optional mitzvah. Let's say you want to use your movable property. Your cash, your yasum, let's say, and you want to use your movable property to pay back the father's debts. You could. It's a nice thing to do. You're not obligated. Again, the lien is only on real property, but you could. So when they gave him 50 cash, they were giving it to push him off the field. Who said? The 50 cash, they were doing a beautiful mitzvah, paying back their father, half of their father's debt with the cash. With the first 50, they were just doing a mitzvah, paying back their father's debt. So now he's collecting the field. He has the right to collect it. Now the Gemara clarifies though, that's only true when the orphans gave 50, they didn't state explicitly that the 50 zuz is instead of the field. If they said to the creditor, we are not giving you this 50 zuz because we want to pay back our father's debts. We're not doing any mitzvahs here. We only have to pay back from what the lien is. You have a lien on this field, we're 50. We're pushing you off the lien by giving you 50. That's what we're doing. Then they removed him from the field. They basically, you know what it's like? He collected it and they bought it back from him. That's essentially what it's like. Imagine your creditor collects and then you buy it back. Then you, then you wouldn't be able to do it. So that, that, that's what the Gemara is saying. If they would say that these 50 zoos are in, in exchange of your collection on the field, then he can't collect again. If they didn't say that, then, you know, tough luck, tough luck on them. Then the, the guy took the cash and then he comes back and collects the field. One more story here. There was a guy who sold the ksuba of his mother for a very small amount. So let's try to understand what that means. It, this is all about risk and gain, right? If you have a son, if you have a son whose mother is still alive, right? She's married to some other guy, married to somebody. And she has a potential to collect on a ksuba after she gets divorced or after he dies. Now, there's also a potential that the mother might die before she collects it. What will happen in that case? The son will inherit the debt of his mother. Now, that's a lot of premises, a lot of assumptions. Who says she's going to get divorced and died? Who says that the mother's not going to collect until she dies? And assuming all that will happen, then the son will be able to inherit his mother's ksuba debt. So he sells on the market. There's a market value to that. Not going to be a high market value because it's a lot of risk. But you'd pay a dollar for that potential, right? Maybe. Pay a dollar and potentially you can, you know, make the 200 zoos. So he sold it. He made the sell. Now what's he selling? He's selling nothing he owns. 
he's selling a potential that he might go inherit a debt of his mother in case she gets divorced and she dies before she can collect it. So is that selling something real? So he told the buyer as follows. He said, yes, if my mother comes and protests to the sale of the ksuba, then I'm not going to save it for you. Meaning to say, I'm not going to try to stop her. I'm not going to return the money. He's saying, you want to you wanna pay me the dollar, pay me the dollar, but don't come with me with tightness if my mother gets upset and protests and, and makes the point that, that I can't make, really make this sale because I don't own anything. So basically, the son didn't, didn't own the ksuba rights he was selling. So the sale could be nullified because you, you can't sell something you don't own. But, he, but, but, but the point is, you would think about that. You would owe the guy, you, you, you should think, do you owe the guy a refund, right? In other words, you basically took his dollar for nothing. You took his dollar for the rights to exuber that you don't own. So more or less what we're saying is, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. If the mother protests, I'm not going to try to stop her. Now what happened? The son came. I'm sorry. So it happened. The mother died and she never protested. And mamish played out. The mother ended up being divorced or widowed, and then before she collected her ksuba, she died. So the son, Taka, inherited the debt. So now what's the halacha? Also, the son comes and he protests, meaning the son goes and tries to do it. He claims that since he was the mother's heir, he could protest the sale instead of the mother. Just like I told you, when I, said, when I took your dollar, I told you, if my mother was upset about this, then this whole deal is off. And I'm not giving back your money. So he says, I'm basically my mother's heir, right? I inherit my mother. So I inherit my mother's right to say the sale is nothing. All I sold you was a right. I sold you something I didn't own. Get out of here. So the Gemara says, He didn't accept himself a guarantee against his mother's protest. Obviously, he accepted against himself a guarantee to his own word. Meaning to say, surely it's understood that he himself was going to follow through on the deal. Meaning, he can't control whether his mother protests. He can't control that it's really under his mother's ownership, not his ownership. But that doesn't mean he has the right to go protest against his own sale. He sold, he sold the potential right to go collect Ksuba. So the mother, he was saying, I can't control it. Really, it's my mother's rights. If she wants to protest, she protests. I'm not going to give you back your cash. But the Gemara is saying, to some extent, the guy's got to honor his word. So therefore, if he wants to say, I'm in place with my mother, I'm protesting the sale. You can't. You made the sale. You gave him that. You took his dollar. And therefore, you have to go and let him go collect on the land at this point.